Talking Landscape Photography with Christian Fletcher and Cowan. It is light-minded. We're honoured today to be joined by Les Walkling and also a whole bunch of new listeners from ALP. If you haven't joined the Australian Landscape Photographer's Facebook page yet on Facebook, well, you're missing out on probably the best landscape photography community on earth. Okay, we always ask the heavyweights of our craft uh, this question. Who is Dr. Les Walkling? Who is Dr. Les Walkling? Well, actually, no, that, that, that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because I, I, I remember writing um, when I was quite young that, and, and, you know, in that sort of late, late teens, very confused state, that there were all of these Les Walklings. You know, on the sporting field, I was known as this person by these friends and playing in a rock and roll band, I was known by different people and then... My academic studies, you know, I was known by a different group of people as a different person. I can remember walking around thinking, my God, who the hell am I? You know, because I seem to be this <laughs> different person depending on where I, what I'm doing and where I rock up. And, and, and then at the same time, holding hands with Helen in that little tent in that southern gale, just making those life-changing decisions as to what we were going to study or, and do. Uh, the world of art just kind of appeared as this world without conflict where all of the different Les Walklings, you know, the person who loved thinking about thinking and the person who loved, you know, going underwater and looking at the marvels of that world, the person who really loved, you know, the, the competitiveness and, and the game called sport and, and, and the person who just loved to draw and paint or play music. All of these people had a home... Uh, uh, I described it, I think, something like a marriage without conflict, whereas in the rest of my life there were all of these moments where where this person was in conflict with that person or there was no space for that person in this other Les Walkling's world. And so that's the day that I realised that. It was the day that I realised I was actually an artist and that was the, the home without its home. So who is Les Walkling? I'm just an artist, just someone who tries also to not have my ego and my self-interest dominate my interests as an artist. Though, of course, every picture you make is highly autobiographical. So I try to invoke in my biography concerns of others, hopefully grander and greater than any concern of my own. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. I, I, I could add, Les, that I, I think, and I always say this too, that you're the most incredible man person uh, in in photography and art in australia and you're like a national treasure <laughs> oh jesus and we have take it easy that's true and, and that's, no it's true and i think uh, we have talked about your book that you're planning on on putting out is that is that still going to happen Les? are you still yeah it's fascinating to... i put it on the back burner then i bring it back into focus and then i try and work out how the hell um you know how the you know how the hell i um to take more of myself out of it and oh for god's sake here we go just, just grab it put it we'll put it on the podcast no I, no i won't because it's a long it's a long com long conversation um yeah and i'd better uh you can cut this bit out can't you the answering machine. 
I had to leave the phone on because I'm waiting for this lens and I'm not prepared for the courier not to deliver this lens and for it, but I could have unplugged yeah. the answering machine, couldn't I? Silly bastard. I never think of these things. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't do podcasts every day. Oh, we, 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 but, but, I was just t- telling everyone about how, how wonderful you were and, and you're going to talk about the book. Yeah, but look, I, I you know, I, I don't know, Christian, it's... um. Frederick Summer once said on the phone, I, I was sitting beside him, we were working on something or other, and, and a, cu- a senior curator had called him, was talking to him from the other side of the country. And, and f- I remember clearly Fred saying, look, treat me as if I'm dead. You know, uh, In other words, just go for it. You know, Don't worry mm-hmm. about upsetting my sensibility or misrepresenting. It's, I trust you. It's worth the risk to see what you will do with it. I had a similar encounter a long, long time ago where where the senior curator of Australian art, uh, Daniel Thomas, at the National Gallery of Victoria, I, I got invited around by um, another dear friend of mine, Ian North, back in those days, who was the senior curator of photography at the NGA in Canberra. Went around to Daniel's house um, and he, we had a beautiful meal and we're just chatting about things and he said, show me some of your prints. And... and the first print I put down was was this very gruesome eight by ten contact print, beautifully matted and presented, but of a mummified cat, and of course it's just horror. You know, the split tone with red <laughs> selenium. You know, it's just awful, and it was just ah! and of course Daniel, you know, in his great great cultured senses, just looking at it and looking at it, and then eventually turns to me with a Cheshire. Uh, cat grin on his face and said how delightful and from that <laughs> moment on and he knew, knew what he was doing I was really young and naive and you know everything's got to be me 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 and, and and he just pulled the rug out from under my feet and from like Fred treat me like I'm dead from that moment on I realized the incredible importance of of allowing others to do stuff with your stuff yeah collaborating i mean you don't do this advisedly you don't hand over stuff to to um, aesthetic criminals but (laughs) there's something that rankles me about a book like i look at my friends who publish books i mean the moral problem by by my dear friend michael my my brother michael smith you know and i go oh my god you know michael that is just Yes, how magnificent that you've made that contribution to meta-ethics. You know, it's just like, I, I, it's there. I'd I, I look at it every second day. I'm just, I don't understand what he's talking about, but I mean, it's just unbelievable <laughs> contribution, you know. But he then lives in a world of professional philosophy where it's the nature of the game is that book is not a fixed entity. It's a living force. In the world of art, our fixed our books just seem to be almost too often mausoleums. And I worry about this because my book would be filled with writing, thinking, not just pictures. You know, words and pictures would combine. So I've, even though I've got all this stuff there ready to be published as a single entity, you know, Fletch, I, I tend to feel it's more productive for me to play with that material like a musical instrument to constantly reinvent it, to not lock it down, to keep rewriting things. 
to keep remaking that picture, but only if I can make a completely different version of it than the version that currently exists. And, you know, otherwise you're just wasting your time repeating yourself. And I think mm. I've discovered, I'm convincing myself here, of course, mm. uh, over mm. in recent times, maybe the last decade, that something magical is more alive in playing rather than inscribing that material mm. now of course you have to deal with one's ego and one's bank balance because a book can generate income you know to enable you to do other projects um, and and people love to have a part of you and a book is a very affordable thing for people to have a part of you but then you know mm. christ a third of my time's teaching i give this stuff away look mm. at my website i've yeah. got thousands of things up there hopefully not too burdensome for others yeah, I don't know. I, when I'm dead, Andre can publish something or he can burn it and yeah, bury yeah. it. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm less concerned about having to, you know, having to present myself in that way. I, I, I prefer to think of it as a work in progress. Having said that, yeah. you know, the, the, the 25-year commemorative project for Bill Henson, this extraordinary Tenzam Hudson publication Andre and I slaved over for six months with Bill. Um, you know, the world is such a better place for having that in it. I cannot wait mm. to see your latest book, Fletch, yeah? Uh, pictures that I've never seen before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know it's going to be yeah. pure poetry, and I'm going to look at that for weeks. And every silly bugger that yeah. walks into my studio, and there'll be hundreds of them, you know, it'll be on the table right in front of them, you know, and they'll start a conversation. <laughs> so, I mean, my life would be so much less without that book. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll put something in print one day, but, you know... I really love giving stuff away as well. And I really love stuff just being yeah. on a web page that even when the bookstores are closed, someone can you know get help when they need it. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah. Silly as it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Do- Dr. Dr. Walkley, can I ask you a question? And um, this is something Fletch and I have been talking about off the field for, for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and it's got uh, certainly got me scratching my head because this is a, a term that gets bandied around and, awful lot what is fine art photography yeah it's uh yeah it's 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 interesting isn't it we say when i first started teaching seriously at that in art schools the photography we did then i'm talking the 1970s now you know a lifetime and a half ago we called the photography then fine art photography to distinguish it from um commercial photography for example so we sort of and it was a grab bag covering a whole range of interests and expertise just like commercial photography has genres like portraiture or architecture or or, or, you know jewelry and, and so forth but then what happened and you know I've never sort of research this really to find out where I think this began but somewhere along the way the term fine art photography seemed to be hijacked by applied photographers commercial photographers to to try and talk about another genre of commercial photography and sure selling prints look at Fletch I mean you know he supports families you know um, uh, (laughs) through the sale of magnificent works of art now now 
so fine art photography then kind of got taken to mean something else which was very much about a new genre of commercial photography that uh, could include pictures of architecture could include pictures of beautiful places and spaces but was about something else was more poetic was more engaging was more political and so forth that the problem was though some of that work and how it was used by some people and, and institutions and organisations actually then shut out the debates and interests that were at the heart of us talking about what we did as fine art photography in the 1970s. So for some decades now, people like myself, instead of describing what we do as fine art photography, we just talk about contemporary art because that places our uses of photography, their conceptual, historical, political engagements with the world through photography back into the debates, histories, interests of the world of contemporary art, which then allows the term fine art photography to help other people describe things that they do that haven't fitted comfortably in other categories. So in a nutshell, and, and, and you get silly things like I've got dear friends who are, you know, very serious professional commercial photographers who talk about personal work, uh, you know, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. You know, why the hell would you take a picture you didn't care about uh, or you didn't feel was personal? But, I mean, so yeah, that's just my problem. Uh, but, but they often, I find them often saying, my fine art photography, and they'll even might put this on a web page. So here's my portraiture, here's my, 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 my other specialisation, which is um, architecture, let's say, and, and here's my fine art photography. So I think for a lot of people, fine art photography is photography that doesn't fit into other categories and allows them in this unregulated industry of ours just a sense of freedom uh, and, and, and joy. Uh, in my world, though, where in the world of contemporary art, where the word fine art photography, well, we just don't talk about it um, like that anymore. It, it, it's mm. come to signify uh, a genre that is not really capable any longer of containing what we do. Now, the linchpin to understanding what I just said is quite simple, and that is the history of art is not a history of pictures. It's a, a visual art. It's not a history of pictures. It's a history of ideas. So the world of contemporary art is, and the way art is taught in art schools, is firmly and squarely rooted in a history of ideas and a history of our knowledge about knowledge and understanding and and then the politics and the sociology and the psychology and, and, and all of the other manifestations, personal and otherwise, that revolve around such an idea of how to spend one's time. Whereas just taking beautiful pictures that have no other purpose other than being beautiful, joyful, engaging, compassionate, well, we can call those fine art photography and you understand what you're looking at. You're not expecting it to sell anything other than joy and happiness, wonder or you know, merriment and so forth. Um, or to remind us of the fragility of passing lives or, 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 
or the just how beautiful that light is in the ebbing flow of a, mm. of a wistful autumn morning, you know, as we've been experiencing here mm. recently. So there's a real yeah. distinction, you know, and I think fine art photography, a lot of people try and bad mouth it, I guess, but I think it, it serves a number of really important distinctions in a number of, of people's lives, but we, mm. we don't any yeah. longer kind of think about it in the my world of contemporary yeah. art, yeah? In, in that did, did, yeah. did, does that make sense or not yeah i think that's a great great way to describe mm. it less and because it's always something that i've thought about mm. so i got online actually uh, a couple of days ago just to, to type in um you know what is fine art photography oh, yeah. so i've come up with this really good one this is cut and paste directly from the from the internet it says with the concept of fine art photography in mind here are five tips to help you shoot fine art photography check the weather that's point number one <laughs> Be creative. Choose a subject to simulate stimulate the viewer. Use colors or moods for fine art. And five is use motion blur. <laughs> Isn't that gorgeous? <laughs> Isn't that that's, don't you just love it? Yeah. I mean, there, there's yeah. there's someone trying really hard, you know, in their very infant years, you know, and in, in working with the medium, trying to find ways of of embedding uh, emotion. I mean. Fletch, you know, mm. we've talked so often about those two sides of the lens, yeah? You know, the what's yeah. in front of the lens, yep. the thing itself, the referent, and, and then simultaneously as we release the shutter, taking that picture on our side of the lens, the, the photographs of things that can't be seen, thoughts, feelings, and ideas, and, and how much mm. time we spend on each side of our lens tends to define us as a photographer in that moment. I mean, my, my National Geographic mates, they're obsessed you know, with what's in front of the lens and, and, and uh, mm. whereas the Andres of the world, the Bill Hensons of the world are, are obsessed with what's happening on their side of the lens. It's not to say what's in front of the lens is not important for Bill. Of course it is, but it's what it allows you to think about and do with that moment. And so there's someone who motion blur, you know, who's trying to disrupt what's mm. in front of the lens. Well, uh, by well, the way. What's that, Fletch? Yes, uh, 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 that was a direct, uh, directly taken from Peter Eastway's uh, website too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're naughty. You, you, yeah. <laughs> thank God, thank no, God, you and Peter friends. But no, look, there's someone who who is smart enough at the moment to realise that what's in front of the lens, if it's revealed in all of its photographicness that evidential authority of the lens you know i was here that happened this is real can completely dominate the discussion of the photograph so what about a bit of bit of motion blur either by moving the camera during exposure or in post-production to try and disrupt the literal reading of that picture how gorgeous is that? Not, not. It's very naive, of course, but I mean, how unbelievably gorgeous is that? Because it's someone who's starting to understand those two sides of the lens and wanting to try and find ways of getting on their side of the lens a little more often. Yeah, uh, mm, yeah. So yeah, I think that's yeah. gorgeous, Fletch. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, you must send it to me. I, I can make great use of that in our knowing and loving a camera <laughs> yeah. short course um, over here. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yep. Liz, Liz, this is uh, this is going to be a tough one, mate. But um, if we had to nail it down to one person, who would be your most favourite landscape photographer in the world? 
Christian Fletcher. <laughs> Good answer, Les. $20 coming your way. No, Fletch. <laughs> I mean, I can remember when we first talked up, right? And it was during the Pilbara Project. Mm. And once I got over the heat and how lost I was <laughs> and all that stuff, uh, I just watched you. And, yeah, we would, we would pull up the four-wheel drives and we'd jump out. Something magnificent was about to happen. And, Christ almighty, you would walk immediately to the sweet spot, yeah? And you snap, done. Uh, Eastway's trying to hide from everyone else. I'm walking around, you know, de- debating, you know, the universe and, you know, existentialism. And, 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 and you just, every time, you were the most intuitive for uh, artist I've ever met, I kid you not. I'm not blowing smoke up you. Uh, you. This is how I saw you, and that's why I fell in love with you right at that moment. And I thought, oh, crikey, I'd better hang out with this dude. He can teach me a few things, you know. So I then I've never told you this. I I'd then watch you get out, and I just watched like a magnet how you would just go to that cliff edge, or you know. And then when you moved on, I'd run over there and I'd have a look, and I go, holy shit, he's nailed it again, you know. <laughs> So I hold you in an extraordinarily, um, an extraordinary esteem because your poetic engagement with land, you know, place, being, habitation, all of those things that we do as we as we move across across the world. Um, you've just got your finger on the pulse, mate, and I've learned a great deal watching how you engage with all of those facets. From, from so yeah, Christian Fletcher, hands down. There you go. Yep. Um, we'll on, get we'll get hate mail so as a result of that, won't we? <laughs> yeah. We'll be back again with Dr. Walkling next Thursday for part four of our exclusive chat. And just a reminder too, every Thursday, the link to our podcast will be posted on ALP. That's the Australian Landscape Photographers Facebook page. So join up today. So you don't even have to go around searching podcast apps and all that sort of stuff to find us. Just go to ALP and the link is there every Thursday. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye.